George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. Yeah, I don't know as much else to cover. I, I, I went on a big long rant about his college. Um, you talked about how much you hated him. <laughs> You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Hello and welcome back to Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. We talk about one player at a time from two different perspectives, both a film and a metric standpoint, to try and reach a consensus where we should be on them in Dynasty, but also in season long, um, in terms of trades, value, and what they might, what their range of outcomes are. Uh, for their career. Tonight, I think we're talking about one of my favorite players uh, from this year's draft class. Um, we ran a poll this week just to make sure it was fair and above board. Um, who are we talking about this week, bud? Uh, I think you should introduce him since he's your guy. Uh, I know we were supposed to have this discussion a couple weeks ago, um, right after his breakout. So I think I want you to do the honors of introducing this player. Honestly, I couldn't lose this week because the uh, choices had Marlon Mack and the guy were actually talking about this week which is Traquan Smith the New Orleans Saints um, who I was really high on coming in, uh, into coming into the league this year I actually had him as the 2.01 pick in rookie drafts on my rookie board um, which I actually published in a book that's available on FS statistics as if that matters at all and um, Jake where were you on the uh, ever living Craig Sure, I, th- I had him. I was a little bit lower than you, but um, I think right after the draft, I had him as wide receiver seven. Uh, pre-draft, before the draft, I think I had him a wide receiver six, right ahead up of Michael Gallup with the draft capital and uh, no weapons being there in Dallas. I, I bumped Gallup up, but um, he was a player I liked. He's he's not a guy that I I have many shares of because I tend to trade all my picks because I tend to want to win every year and I don't really care about picks. But, uh, yeah, he's a player that I really like, though, coming out. So you're low on him is what you're saying. Yeah, basically. Compared to you, yes. Everyone's low on Traquan Smith. (laughs) Right. Um, I can go if you'd like, you know, let let you uh, breathe for a second and just kind of uh, meditate on on how you're going to deliver the love of Traquan. But I can go from a film standpoint what I saw at – UCF, Traquan Smith is a wide receiver. He's just under 6'2", about 210 pounds. Uh, You know, he he really had a really good year, his his final year at UCF, um, having 13 13 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. Um, He is a a high pointer. He is a contested catch monster. I think he had arguably the best hands in this class. Everything he catches is with his hands, uh, at least from his college production. Um, you know, every receiver lets the ball into their chest at times, but as far as um, having an ability to snag the football above the rim, 
Um, you know, red zone target, deep threat, extremely good speed. Um, if you want to talk about negatives, I guess you could talk about um, his route running isn't isn't all that crisp. Getting out of his stems isn't all that good. And you can see that with his agility score. His agility score was the only metric that he didn't perform well in um, at the combine. Um, he was in the 20th percentile. So, And you can see that translate in and out of his breaks. Um, so he doesn't have the great start-stop quickness. But once he gets up to gear, he can really explode downfield, create some plays um, uh, down the field. And he made a bunch of deep um, completions in college. And But, I mean, his trump card is his ability to go up and get the ball. And the, the thing that, that it's kind of been confusing is the way he's been utilized so far in the NFL. Thus, I mean, it's been a short career so far. It's been a small sample size. But they use him a lot of underneath routes. Um, which you know he he can he can play anywhere, but I I, I have this feeling and this hope, um, and we saw little glimpses of it against the Redskins, even though um, one of those plays was a complete busted coverage, and the other one wasn't very good coverage either. But um, I really want to see him be utilized downfield, and now that Ted Ginn is out for the season on IR, I'm really hoping that they will start utilizing his skill set. And kind of free him up to be the player that he is. He's kind of a backyard school type of player. Um, at UCF, sometimes his his routes and his get off off the line of scrimmage looked a little bit lazy um, and just not crisp. So if you're if you're really into guys that run really crisp, sharp routes, I don't think he's there yet. Could he get there? Yes. I think that's part of the game that you can get better at. Um, as you progress and get and mature and get older and understand the system and the importance of route running in this league. Um, but if you want to talk about a guy that has immense upside and the guy that he kept, he uh, always is kind of flashed to me is Kenny Galladay. Um, not quite as big, um, but Kenny Galladay had some, some of the same kind of issues in college, um, with a lack of route running wasn't all that good. And he's gotten so much better in his career, but, Man, if you like a high pointer, if you want a guy that can go up and get it and catch it with his hands and not let it into his body and just really strong, soft hands, uh, this is your guy. And uh, I think he's in a very good offense. And his schedule after this week against Minnesota is really about to um, get a hell of a lot easier. Um, so I think that there's a chance that we could really see a Traquan Smith breakout. Um, you know, I want to stay relatively level because rookie wide receivers tend to not break out in their first year. Um, but I, th I think the talent is there. And obviously, when you're playing with Drew Brees, uh, anything is possible there. The visceral hatred with which you describe the traits of Traquan Smith really come through. I hope we don't lose <laughs> your audio, Jake. And uh, so the people really get to hear how much you hate him. Um, <laughs> no, um, our story starts on the 7th of January, 1996, when born onto this earth was one man. Named Traquan. No, we're not going quite that back far. Um, he started his college career at the age of 19, though. That's worth noting. He completely missed the possibility of being an age 18 breakout, which, you know, is kind of my, my, my gig, my thing. Um, but when he started at age 19, he broke out for 32% of the team's receiving yards, which is really, really good. 
Um, it's worth noting just that only really um, meant getting 724 receiving yards. He got 850 yards the second year, another 1,000 his final year. But he broke out in the very first year he played at age 19, which already puts him in a pretty good category in terms of the, the number of players that actually break out with that kind of market share. Talking about role, college concepts, college workloads in that manner do not seem to translate to the NFL very often. It's not that they don't, it's that I don't think that because they played that way in college, that's the way they're going to play in the NFL. Golden Tate is one of the prime examples of this. He was a purely um, outside receiver in college, and he's not in the NFL. Um, so that's worth noting, especially when talking about Traquan Smith, because in college, he was a phenomenal deep ball receiver, kind of like what Jake's describing, and that's definitely what he's been doing for the Saints. He's had a maximum of three targets, and in one of those games, he broke out for... Uh, 111 yards and two touchdowns. And again, small samples, they're probably bad coverages, but he's showing potential in that type of role. But I also agree with you that he can play more than that, just the amount of work he did in college to show that he was capable of producing for a team suggests that he's more than just a deep ball receiver. But at the minimum, this is a Ted Ginn who can actually catch the ball. Ted Ginn with good hands mm -hmm. and Drew Brees. So that already has a pretty remarkable attraction in terms of fantasy points, in my opinion, even if he's only going to be a spot start. I think that's kind of his flaw. I didn't expect it this early because you kind of shouldn't expect much from a walkie ride receiver, as we all know. But it's still good to see him at least getting that role. Last week, he actually had an increased role with six targets. And it's worth noting that Drew Brees, I kind of don't like the whole quarterbacks do certain things narrative, mostly wide receivers earn their own production, as Traquan Smith has done the last two uh, weeks, earning three targets and then six targets, doubling um, what he was earning. But in the last three weeks, Traquan Smith, regardless, the market share or where the targets are going has actually started to spread out since Mark Ingram got in. I don't know if that's because they're starting to run a slightly different playbook or if that's just um, a product of the games they've been playing because they've been outside, they've been away from home. But it's worth noting that... Um, Michael Thomas's uh, dominance of the target share and the air yards in that, uh, that receiver core has dropped. It's not just Traquan Smith, but he is the one who's seen the most dramatic rise in both targets and air yards over the last three weeks. Um, three weeks is an important boundary because that's where we start to look at projecting regression. It's also where we start to look at what's happening most recently. Um, I have no proof of this. So I'm just going to say Josh Hersmeyer also likes this idea and also has no proof of this. But there's um, another speculation could be that that's how often uh, teams change their playbook as they're looking at the next three games. They start to plan differently. So the change in the last three weeks could be a change based on what they're going to do moving forward versus what they've done for the entire season. And that goes doubly, I think, for Traquan Smith because he's a rookie. He was learning the offense. He was earning that opportunity. So the fact he's really blown up in the last three weeks is really not surprising. It's actually just more surprising that he would do anything uh, like what he did two weeks ago, or even last week as a rookie. Um, so, yeah, I like him pretty well. Um, his market share also stayed incredibly impressive for all three years. Now, he's coming from, as uh, Jake mentioned while he was calling Traquan Smith names and saying he would never make it in the NFL, um, from UCF. Um, this is the land of Blake Bortles, Latavius Murray, and Brashad Perryman. So it's not like we get a lot of great players from this, uh, fr <laughs> from 
uh, this team, but again, that that doesn't correlate very often. Like we get great players from different teams all the time. I, I wouldn't be too concerned with that. But just to deal with the Perryman comparison, um, Perryman had more yards overall, and um, in all three years playing with Blake Bortles in one of them, which must have been you know an experience for good old Brashad. <laughs> um, but Brashad Perryman started out in 2012 with only 388. He was like third or fourth on the depth chart in terms of yards. He moved up to 800, but he was still second on the depth chart in terms of yards. And then this third year, he became the leading receiver. And if you've heard any of our podcasts talking about wide receivers before, especially our rookie podcast, then you know that's a typical wide receiver arc. It's not a negative thing, but that's what most players do. And it makes sense from my own life. I assume everyone's. You get better as you get older as you get stronger, as you get more experience. And that's what Brashad Perryman did. He wasn't a particularly attractive prospect, despite his draft capital, um, for that reason. I don't think he showed himself to dominate what is not the highest level of competition. Um, not that that matters overly. Any level of competition, a, great, a good wide receiver who shows great potential in the NFL should be really good in college. Generally, that has the most... Um, signal outside of draft capital which leads to opportunity so Rashad Perryman might have come from this offense but he was nothing like the prospect of Traquan Smith um, Traquan Smith was the lead receiver all three years from his very first year with the least amount of experience physical growth and literal uh, physical ability he still dominated this wide receiving core and well Blake Bortles isn't great I'm going to go ahead and say that um, Jeff Holloman and someone called, what was his name, Milken, Milton, um, his, his uh, Traquan Smith's quarterback in his last year when he went for over a thousand years was Mackenzie Milton, just to say it properly. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say he had a deficit in terms of the level of quarterback play um, while he was doing that as well. So team regardless, and even despite you know the Brashad Perryman maybe stain, or, or the Blake Bortles maybe stain, he was someone who was doing something that not many wide receivers do. Dominate a lot early and dominate every year and in terms of market share and just overall what he was producing on the depth chart. I mean, he was leading the depth chart, but he was leading the depth chart and receiving yards by a lot. Like, he was getting 1,000 yards in his last year. The closest was 293, I think. And the next wide receiver to catch the second most yards had like 700 less yards than him. And that was true in each of the other years as well. He wasn't just dominating it. He was sucking up all of it. He was the receiving core of USC while he was on the team. So, yeah, he was good in college. Um, but more importantly, in the few spots that he's got an opportunity in the last three weeks, he's been good in the NFL. So Jake's wrong. This is a guy who definitely can make it in the NFL. And I think you should back up and stop calling him names, frankly. You're really taking this over, aren't you, Peter? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I just wanted to touch back on his schedule. What he what he has. Uh, I mean, just the Saints' offense, the passing offense in general. Um, obviously, this week he has the the Vikings, who have been susceptible after being a really dominant um, defense in general. But um, they are ranked as the thirteenth ranked uh, pass pass defense right now. Um, but after that, he's got the Rams. Rams have actually been somewhat decent in pass defense. Um, but he's got the Bengals, the Eagles, and the Falcons, uh, week 10, 11, and 12. They are all in the top, let's see here, top eight 
uh, worst pass defenses. So um, those are really good matchups. Cowboys have been tough. He faces them um, in week 13. But then he's got the Tampa Bay Bucks, who have been really bad. Uh, number one, actually. And then the Panthers have been good. He's got them. The playoff schedule is a little bit murky there. Uh, week fifth, or actually 14 would be. Actually, his playoff isn't bad. Week 14, he's got the Bucks. Week 15, he's got the Panthers, which isn't a great matchup. Um, and then he's got the Steelers week 16. So um, just looking at that, and I know it's not horribly predictive, um, but he does have some nice matchups coming up. And I think that... Um, you know, better things are about to come for, for Traquan. Speaking of his schedule, they actually produce a thing called value score, which is, for DFS purposes, is a mixture of um, their projections and also the projections compared to their salary. So how much value you're getting for every dollar you spend. And this week, despite my deep and abiding love for Traquan Smith, he's only, he's only coming out as like the, uh, just counting here, the 50th best wide receiver play in terms of value. And... Um, I'm projecting them for just over 10 points because just to, you know, just for a moment, I want to be reasonable here and point out that hoping he gets a large workload or catches a deep bomb from Drew Brees is less likely than a lot of other things, right? And Michael Thomas is the dominant wide receiver on this team despite not being a market share darling. And so that's another thing I should point out. The things I like about Traquan Smith and Michael Thomas didn't do in college. So that's not exactly a positive since Michael Thomas is now one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, certainly for fantasy. And so, you know, just for a second, I'll be reasonable just so you don't all go and trade your first and second and third year first round picks for him. But um, overall, yeah, I think we're going to see an increased role for him on this team. I think it's going to be spotty because he's a rookie and the role they have him in right now is much more down the field. But I think his potential to grow is honestly impressive. Um, I've taken a brief look, um, meaning spent hours studying, uh, where he is on DLF ADP and also in terms of trades. Um, as we were just looking at before the show, he's going like just ahead of Kiki Kudi, which means you can probably get a lot more for Kiki Kudi than is reasonable, and you should go and do that. Or... And Traycon Smith is a big value right now. Which do you think it is? Uh, well, I know that you're not a cutie fan, um, and I Maybe am. Not. I am, but uh, yeah, I think there's, I think there's, there's value there, and I think his ADP is about to continue to go up. I know it's it's gone up tremendously over the past uh, what, month or so. Um, I think he's around 120 overall in ADP. Uh, personally, his graph when you, you know when you click on players' names, DLF has like a little graph of what their ADP has been doing, and it, right. it's just like a constant up. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's about to continue to go up because this was October ADP, so uh, I don't think those that blow up game was was in consideration with that last ADP. So that's going to go up. I I currently have him as my 89th player in my top 200, and that's relatively fluid. I mean, he's in a huge tier here um which i still got to do some shuffling so he's in that he's in that range so i think we should talk about what kind of players um we'd maybe trade for him and then maybe what kind of draft picks we trade for him how about you just read the players ahead of him on your top 200 and we can laugh about it together (laughs) sure uh and again this is i still got to do some updating and and this is this is in the same tier um as of right now um, he's right behind James Washington and Anthony Miller. 
um, who I did like a good amount um, coming out. Uh, I might bump him ahead of James Washington just because that situation is difficult for targets. Um, but I still do believe in Anthony Miller. Um, there's a couple quarterbacks there. Um, Royce Freeman, who you know I'm not a big fan of. Uh, Chris Thompson, Marlon Mack, Nelson Aguilar, Demarius Thomas, Chris Godwin. Um, so there's some players there um, in that tier, in that range. To be fair, I think I'd put him um, right there next to Marlon Mack. Positional value is more difficult to judge. Uh, but the, Sure, I think that's probably... I wouldn't actually raise him that much. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And like I said, all these players are in a tier, so it doesn't really matter where they are within this tier. It's just they're in the same tier. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I feel pretty comfortable. Um, and that tier is pretty big at this point for me. It goes from 71 to 95. So there's, you know, 25 players here in this tier. So um, he could fluctuate anywhere within there. And obviously he still has the potential to go up to that next tier, um, you know. And then that next tier as far as wide receivers, uh, as of right now, I have Marvin Jones, Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton. So I, I don't know if he's going to get up to that tier anytime soon. He's still got some ways to go just to move up in this tier um, alone. Um, but yeah, I, I feel pretty comfortable in that tier. What do you think about some of those those players? The only wide receivers I wouldn't put him ahead of from this draft class is DJ Moore and. Uh, Christian Kirk, who would actually have his number one at this point. Wow. Calvin Ridley you could talk about, but um, I'd probably favor Smith, um, honestly. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, I like Cortland Sutton a lot more than I did when they came in, than uh, when we were first doing these, and I did have Sutton ahead of Smith. Um, so yeah, those those three or four are all in a similar tier to me. Um, but yeah, I just favor Traquan Smith, because I no, I don't have to go and get him. I've got him. <laughs> uh, we were doing like a player percentages before the season started, and I think I had more Cam Meredith and Traquan Smith than any other player. In fact, I know that uh, across all my dynasty leagues. I don't know what it looks like today, but I know I haven't lost any Traquan Smith shares. So I'm assuming it's. So I have a question here for you, Peter. I'm going to cut you off. Traquan Smith or John Brown? Oh, come on. That's not fair. Hey, I got to make this difficult on you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd take John Brown. But you're not... Okay, Traquan Smith or Chris Godwin. Uh, Godwin still. Jeez, I thought you really... I'd say that pretty much next week. Okay, though. yeah, I mean, a bunch of these guys are in that next tier up for me. I just wanted to check. I know you're a huge fan. I think it is tough to get him, you know, ahead of those guys. At Let's this be clear, point. if I don't have money on the league, I'm probably doing a lot of those tricks. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I, I'm a really big fan. I just think he's good. I just wanted to go back more to what you're seeing. I don't know. I sure. really got as much as you probably have to say on him. You said um, his routes aren't sharp, which, again, I've just heard so many people talk about whose routes are sharp or not and watched it fail as, like, this player can run sharp routes but then does nothing or is bad on the field. Um, I just want to know more about that. Well, it's certainly, it's certainly not everything. I mean, Demarius Thomas was never a precise route runner, and he, you know, had five consecutive 1,000-yard receiver uh, seasons. So it's not, it's not like an end-all, be-all. I mean, obviously you prefer a wide receiver to run good, good routes, and I think it's, 
it is p potentially becoming more important that you're seeing um, some smaller wide receivers that can separate, um, get a lot of target volume, and then the, the receivers that are high poners, are deep threats, don't get quite the volume. So I think their production is a little bit less steady um, and less dependable. Um, but it's it's not an end-all, be-all. I mean, route running's high up there on my list of what I'm looking for from a wide receiver. But like I said, he's got a couple trump cards that, that make me not worry about his route running okay. quite as much. So you're basically backing out of that opinion entirely? or What? All I said is his routes aren't crisp. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I mean, I never bashed him for it. I said that's his, that's one. I'm of I know you like him. You see, is a thing. So I've got to like him more, which means I more have to. I see that. Uh, no, you. I made, either have to you, go insanely high or pull your opinion down somehow. You see, <laughs> you've made that abundantly clear today. Uh, I don't know. Um, anything else as far as film wise? You have questions about? Yeah. Um, what was he like catching the ball? Phenomenal. I think his. I, he, like I said, I think he arguably had the best hands in this class as far as catching the ball away from his body. Um, and you see that a lot with um, contested catches guys or, or high pointers, the guys that can get up vertical above the rim. They still let the ball into their chest. And, and Traquan did that at times, and it's hard not to sometimes, especially when you're going over a DB's back, basically. Sometimes it's hard not to let the ball get into your chest. But, I mean, he had some, some catches where his, you know, arms are well above his head, um, leaping into the sky and just snapping it with his, with his hands. And uh, I, I was just really impressed with his hands and his ability to catch and um, really strong hands, too. He could secure the ball um, with his hands. He didn't have to bring the ball directly into his body after making the catch. So um, I think that's a big strong suit for him and that's that's the part of the game that i really want to see um not develop but just be utilized in that saints offense i want to see him gain the trust from drew Brees for drew Brees just to like throw it up to him and let him go get it because that's b besides him just being like a deep threat i think his contested catch and high pointing ability is actually the best part of his game or at least for me, it was his most impressive trait. He is eternally capped, right? I've said the same thing about Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I just, I, I think he's got more of a ceiling than Calvin Ridley, which is why I said uh, I probably have Smith pretty close to Ridley right now. Um, the difference between Ridley and Smith right now in production is Ridley had insane touchdown catches uh, in terms of the rate at which he was catching them because of all his red zone targets. So he's got a few extra grains with those opportunities. Um, so I'd see their production as just as equally as unprotected. And is. And they're just showing their ability. And I think Julio Jones is a bigger problem. I totally agree. And, and Traquan is seeing, well, now he's seeing a, a much higher snap percentage than Kelvin really has. Which, to be fair, will probably disappear next week and, you know. I'll, I'll cry into my pillow or in the shower, wherever crying takes place for men these days. I mean, who who else are they going to throw to other side other than Kamara and and Thomas? I mean, Meredith a little bit, but I mean there there's definitely some some targets there available in that offense. Yes, yeah. I'd be crying into my pillow over Meredith if it wasn't for Smith. To be honest with you, so. <laughs> he's another good player. It's just you know. To be fair, everyone you just named is a good receiver, so it's hard to get, 
hard to be upset uh, about having one or the other. I um I wanted to um I, we had a question. You know, I I on Twitter I asked if anybody had questions about Traycon Smith. Well, only one only one person asked. But, we'll take it. Um, they were asking. They were asking. So. Anthony at Dynasty Fire 365 asks, uh, in Dynasty, does Traquan have the talent to thrive post Breeze? I want to get your take here first. I mean, obviously, I, I think you think he can. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where to start with those kind of arguments. Like, what's going to happen if this happens in a couple of years? I, I, I don't know. Um, talent. We've just described what I think his talent is, which I think is impressive. Um, and as long as the player is talented and doesn't get somehow uh, Wally pipped, um, then it's difficult to say he wouldn't be productive wherever he is, right? I mean, what's what's Mike Evans <laughs> if he doesn't get any targets? It's it, that's the way the question comes to me. It's like, yeah, if he doesn't get any targets, he won't produce any yards. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, sure. We just saw like Ryan Fitzpatrick just killing teams with three good wide receivers. We saw Brian Hoyer dominate with DeAndre Hopkins. We've seen plenty of, we've seen Odell Beckham put up numbers with Eli Manning 2018 version. I mean, the quarterback matters. Obviously it matters, especially for real football. It matters a hell of a lot. But overall, a wide receiver is going to produce good fantasy numbers if they are good and they get an opportunity. So it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know. How do you, you, where do you go with that question? Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost impossible just because we, we have no idea who the next quarterback is going to be. Is it going to be uh, the next Brock Osweiler? Is it going to be the next Patrick Mahomes? We, we have no idea. The question is, does he have the talent? And I think he does have the talent. And I think his, his, his skill set is actually um, – it kind of fits. You know, let's say they get – a quarterback obviously that's not going to be able to have the placement or accuracy as Drew Brees. He's a guy that can adjust to the football and and go get it in contested situations. So he doesn't he actually doesn't need um, he doesn't rely on a precise, accurate pass as much as some other wide receivers do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think yeah I think he definitely does have the talent to be successful post Brees. Yeah, I, I think that's probably about a quarter of how much talking we need to do on Traquan Smith. So do you want to get a drink or something before we start the second half? Well, the next or... the next three weeks are just going to be part two, part three, and part four. So. <laughs> right. Again, what I would ask for, though, is if you're listening, please go to whatever podcast service you're using and uh, write a review, write a comment, let us know how we're doing or what you'd like to hear. Or, again, go to our Twitter handle for the podcast, at Dino Crosswords. Send us questions. Send us people to start talking about and um, because we don't like making those decisions so thanks again for checking us out and meeting us at the crossroads this week um, i've had fun like i always do i hope you did too and i will see you again next week Later. you're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create that is boring to everyone and i don't care Analytics create Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. I think that's too harsh. Crossroads where film is everything. <laughs> <laughs>
But we'll give you everything. And we can laugh back again. So I have a question here for you, Peter. I'm going to cut you off because I gotta, I gotta ask you this question: Troy, Trey Quan Smith, or Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd. 